This is episode 278 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Board Games in Tiawaki and How to Give Prepper Advice to Your Non-Prepper Family and Friends. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, welcome to episode 278. I'm so glad that you can be here. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you go over to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com and we have all the different ways that you can subscribe. Definitely the easy link to go to iTunes and Stitcher and and Google and all the other different tune in and whatever you want to, uh, whatever podcast network you use, well, we make it very, very easy for you. Hey, I, I wanted to let you know that every Thursday I go live on Facebook at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Lately, I've been talking about food and uh, talked about food storage as far as uh, the easiest route being canned goods that you buy at the grocery store. So I talked about that recently. I've talked about uh, DIY food storage buckets and how to do it and just kind of walk people through that and gave you some resources as well. This next week, I'm going to be talking about bug out bag food. And so if you are interested in that, I uh, welcome you to come on over to the Facebook page, not the Facebook group, but the Facebook page. And uh, like I said, I'll go live at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time and uh, just, you know, talk to you a little bit about, uh, you know, how you can add some food into your bug out bags. Really some things that you need to consider uh, for maybe a short term bug out, maybe a, a little bit longer term bug out. So, again, like I said, I hope you can uh, you can join me there. I've been talking about food and I realize that I've been failing to talk about legacy long term food storage. Um, I now again listen. I believe that you should ha- you should start your food storage off with canned goods. That's the most frugal and affordable way. I think you can build a, a pantry that way. I then I believe that you should make some food storage buckets. But there is uh, definitely a place in f- long term food storage for dehydrated foods, and one of the best ones out there is Legacy Foods. Uh, like I said, I'm an affiliate for, for them, and they have really great quality food. Um, you really need to do a little bit of research if you're going that route because there's a lot of claims out there. Uh, Legacy, they, they use quality products, and they really shoot for like a general palate. And so you're not going to have really spicy foods or really salty foods. They're going to be a, It's a general palate. Uh, it's all vegetarian, and so you doctor it up the way you want. I mean, you can eat the meals exactly the way they, you know, they they provide them for you, but you can also doctor them up. It's uh, you know they they make sure they they get all the vitamins and minerals and all the nutrients. They take care of the protein, although they're they are vegetarian. They do take care of the protein with with the the cheeses and and the sauces and the things that they use that way. But um, they do, the other thing that I just kind of want to point out really quick is one of the things is that they provide meals in decent sized meals. Um, Even you might find that you only need to use like half a package for your family and then you can use the other pack, the the other half, 
you know, maybe the week after or something like that if you decide to use it. But they do, it's, it's great food, quality food, and you get a great deal. I'm going to link to them in the show notes and uh, you can go, they, there's a, that link will take you to like a comparison page with Legacy and some of the other food storage uh, foods that are out there. And like I said, you really need to make sure you look into or do some research on these other foods and read some reviews um, because some of them, they, they might be just because they're cheaper doesn't mean that they're, they're definitely not better, you know. Uh, but even at that, Legacy's prices are really, really great. And so uh, I just wanted to kind of point that out. I am an affiliate, so when you do purchase through them, I do get a little percentage. It doesn't change your cost at all, but uh, I do get a little percentage. But it is something that I do believe in. I believe that you know, long-term dehydrated food, it you know, definitely should have a place in your food pantry, in your preparedness uh, along the line somewhere if you can afford it. Um, you know, one of the, the things that I wanted to say as far as, you know, kind of like just talking to you a little bit about legacy is if if I didn't believe in them I wouldn't be talking to you about them I get emails all the time of people wanting me to promote their products and I'm like you know I look into them like mm, no, I'm sorry I can't do that people really want me to send they don't want me to so in the in the past they would say like can we have your email list I'm like of course not I'm not going to do that I mean, you know people have trusted me with their email list or with their emails so uh, and then now people they know that people aren't going to do that. So they're like, "Well, can you? Will you promote our products to your email list?" I'm like, "No, I'm not going to do that. Especially if I don't, you know, if I don't believe in your product, I'm not going to do that." And so uh, you know, when it comes to the affiliates that I work with and that I promote, I really do believe in them. And so I think Legacy is one of those that uh, you definitely that definitely deserves a look. So again, like I said, I'm going to link to them in the show notes. Hey, I wanted to let you know that I was uh, bouncing around on uh, the internet and I saw an article that I think applies. You know, one of the things that we hear in preparedness, like the ideal thing to do would be to move out into and have rural property and homestead and those kinds of things. Guys, there's there's pros and cons for everything, everything that you could possibly, you know, uh, imagine out there. And so even the rural communities, there's pros and cons of going out. I mean, I'd love to be out there. That would be like the dream, right? Living the dream to do that. But this article uh, is entitled, Rural Hospital Shutdowns Force Communities to Take Care of Their Own. And so I'm just, there's some bullet points here. It's actually from, a, it's a CNBC article, right? Um, it's, it says, Crystal Harris, 72, spends most of her days working with, a rescue squad in Woolwine, Virginia, responding to 9-11 calls after the closure of a nearby hospital last year. The rates of rural homes hospital, I'm sorry, I keep saying homestead. The rates of rural hospital closures are the highest seen in the last few decades, according to the North Carolina Rural Health Research Program. There have been a total of 83 hospital closures from January 2010 to January 2018 in rural areas across the United States, the NCRHRP's data shows. So anyway, there's a, you know, a lot of information. There's some um, graphs here and, and data. I'm going to link to it in the Facebook group. And so uh, you can you know, kind of go look at that article if you, if you want. But uh, that's very interesting, something to consider if you are uh, an, you know, an older homesteader, you, know, you are a seasoned citizen out there. 
uh, definitely something to consider that you might be further away from hospital care or emergency care than you thought you might be. Uh, we actually see this going up to our place up in, or my dad's place up in East Texas. There was a hospital in Love Lady, uh, well, yeah, outside of Love Lady, I believe, that was, uh, that looks like it shut down. I mean, it looked like they had, it always had a few cars there. Um, like one side was an emergency, you know, part of the hospital. The other side was maybe like the professional building, and uh, it just looked like it's it was shut down last time we were there. And so, man, that really, um, you know, we were talking actually we were talking about that when we passed it up. And then I saw this article, and it just reminded me of that. And that's something to consider when you're when you're heading out there. You know, here you have uh, an older, a seasoned citizen out there, seventy-two years old, uh, Crystal Harris who is riding around helping people out um, you know, with, with uh, 9-11 calls because there are no ambulances and there's no hospitals out there. So I know I remember uh, reading Fernando Aguirre talk about that uh, in Argentina and uh, about you know, the, the possibilities of, uh, well, I don't believe he was talking necessarily about Argentina, but he was talking about rural uh, homesteads and not having the care that you need. You know? And that's definitely a concern. All right, so like I said, I'll link to that in the Facebook group uh, just to not mess up all the show notes and stuff like that uh, in, in, uh, for, the, for the episode. So uh, let's go ahead and get started on our articles. The first one comes to us from survivalblog.com. And you might be saying, Todd, really, is this an, an article that you think is, is worth reading on the podcast? And definitely, I, I, almost, I almost chose not to. Uh, but when I really started reading it in detail and started thinking about how uh, how this can be used, and there is a lot of good information here, and uh, hopefully you put this into practice. And so I'm going to go ahead and read it. It's entitled "Board Games in Teotihuacan." That's the end of the board games in the end of the world as we know it. So let's go ahead and start reading. In Sleeping with the Friendlies by Heidi C, the author mentions some of the problems of group integration and building group cohesion. And the author touches on a point that I would like to expand on, board games. In this article, I will discuss how I feel board games have uses in finding like-minded people, building group cohesion, and maintaining morale in a retreat location or shelter in place. I will take these points in reverse order. So why board games? First, let's imagine the following scenario. The fall has happened. You've reached your retreat location and found with relief that the rest of your group has as well. Stockpiles have been inspected, defenses set up, etc. And then that first rush of excitement and adrenaline fades, routines set in. There's plenty of work to do, patrolling or guard duty, farm or garden work, cooking, cleaning, but there's also a lot of tension. Is a gang of bandits forming just beyond your patrol radius? Is severe weather coming? What happened to your friends and relatives who aren't with you? Keeping up morale is going to be a problem. Keeping everyone busy doing useful work will help, but people need R&R time too. Board games are a way for a group of people to relax, socialize, and escape from their world for a bit. They do not require a power source. Well, most don't. Take up very little space in storage and need little in the way of resources to be used. Some light and a table have an essential unlimited shelf life and can be used over and over again. If parts become lost, they can generally be replaced by handmade tokens or pieces of paper. Compare this to computer or video games which require power, take up far more space, 
And once a component breaks, the entire system is reduced to spare parts for other complex equipment. More importantly, most electronic games have a high equipment cost per person, and there is generally a low upper limit on how many people can play at once. Most common board games allow for four to six players, but require only a single set to play. The player limit on electronic games also reduce the group benefits from sharing an activity. Note that a single board game will probably get monotonous and will be quickly set aside. Having several to rotate among is re recommended, allowing people to make choices, even the trivial one of which game to play, in a situation where m most of the, their day choices have been taken away will help cushion the shot. People playing a board game are inherently cooperating. Yes, even while they're trying to beat each other, they've agreed to a common set of rules, those of the game, and are engaged in a joint activity, determining the winner or winners. This factor is enhanced if playing a cooperative board game. This type of game isn't a new concept, but the type has become more popular lately, and there are a lot of newer choices. The essence of the game is not for players to compete to beat each other, but to compete against the game me mechanics in order to collectively beat the game. Examples include Forbidden Island, Pandemic, and Space Alert. The latter requires electronic support. Cooperative games at their best teach people to work together and several require players to use diverse skills and abilities to achieve their goal. Hey, that sounds like a group hunkering down to survive a disaster. As you've probably noticed, I'm drifting into my second use, building group cohesion. This is the biggest obstacle in my own survival preparedness and holding regular board game events has helped. Holding board game parties brings people together on a regular basis without a large financial expenditure, and there are a lot of interactions. If the meeting only has people who are in the group, it can serve a dual purpose, trying out the new survival food as a snack, holding a quick class, or relaxing after a trip to the range. If you're highly concerned about OPSEC, I'm going to a friend's for board games has no survival implications and is, in fact, true. I mentioned space alert above. Despite the fact that it requires a CD player to run, the CD has an audio track which paces the game, keeping pressure on the players. While nowhere near sufficient, seeing how the group reacts under this pressure can reveal a lot about the internal dynamics of a group. The players pick a leader as part of the game. Do they follow the leader's directions? Do some people try to browbeat the other players? Who directs action and who volunteers for action? Yes, it's only a game and it's not necessarily a predictor of how people will behave in a real crisis. Still, you can learn a lot for a small expenditure of time and money. Hitting my first point last, those re regular or semi-regular gaming days or evenings are also a great way to vet potential members of the group. Can they get along with the group? Do they try to cheat? Do they try to take over? Are they able to pick up new information quickly? Do they volunteer to host next time? At first, the person shouldn't have any idea they're even being vetted, which will tend to suppress the tendency to act uncharacteristically. Having a breadth of games available and encouraging the candidate to bring some of their own is also a way to pick up on common interests. The modern board game industry practices dressing up common game mechanics with the trappings of recognizable cultural elements. A TV show such as as several Firefly-themed games or genre, like Zombie, The Middle Ages, etc., 
Of course, there are plenty of gamers out there who ignore the fluff in the game and focus on the game mechanics. But if someone has the worst case scenario, in quotes, sitting on their shelf, they're probably not dismissive of prepping. I found a good model for a game day to be as follows. Someone with a good play area, a solid table, large enough to play on and big enough to fit everyone around, hosts. Host duties should rotate if possible. The host will provide some snacks. Things that don't leave residue on fingers are preferred, as such things will inevitably get on the game components. And others will bring snacks or some contribution for a communal meal, eaten at the same table in between games. Each person brings or presents a game they'd like to try. The group selects one to play first. After one round with a familiar game, a new game should be selected. However, if it was the first time playing a game, it often works to try a second round in the same game day. Some people pick up games quickly, especially those who've played a lot of different games, and recognize the reuse of game mechanics. But even many regular gamers don't. Playing a new game again right away gives a chance for those with a longer learning curve to do better. So what games should you get and play? Well, you should get and play the games that you like to play. Sorry, tastes vary and without knowing someone, I can't suggest the game that they'll like. I'll suggest a few that might appeal to preparedness-minded people, though. The worst case scenario deserves a mention. Heidi C. Gave it, gave it one in her article, mostly because it is an easy way to assess how someone feels about preparedness and whether they already have some knowledge in that area. I can't say I or anyone in my group really enjoys playing it, however. Pandemic is also a disaster-themed game, and a cooperative one as noted above. The players act as a team from the CDC with diverse skill sets trying to halt a set of diseases. Don't expect a simulation of the spread of an actual pandemic. The game is actually terrible for this, but it isn't trying to be a simulation. Still, this can be an excellent game to assess a candidate. Just for fun, name each of the in-game diseases after a real infectious disease. If that doesn't lead to a broader conversation during or after the game, you didn't try. This is a regular one for my group. Last Night on Earth is a popular is popular with the zombie crowd. It is a semi-cooperative group with one player controlling the zombie, zombie horde and the rest being the plucky band of survivors. Again, this is certainly not a simulation, but that can be turned into an advantage. Okay, this is what I'll do in the game, but in reality, I'd... End quote. Gloom is a prepared card game, as opposed to a card game that uses a standard deck of cards, with each player controlling a character, except with an odd twist. You are trying to inflict as much misery on your own character as possible. The misfortunes are things like pursued by poodles rather than more probable events. Dead of Winter is another zombie-themed game. What can I say? It's a popular genre in modern culture, which isn't true of most disasters. This is a semi-cooperative. The game can win. All the players lose if the players don't work together. But each player also has their own individual goal and one of the players might be a traitor. I should note that a cupboard full of disaster-themed games might not be the best choice for your retreat, or for play during a disaster. The game should be an escape rather than a reminder of what you're going through. If you're doing a bug-in to avoid the flu, your group probably won't want to play Pandemic. Like any survival equipment or supplies, you should be familiar with them before disaster strikes, and they should be tailored to your group in your situation. What else will you need? Most modern board games come with everything they need in the box. 
Tokens of some sort, such as a bag of pennies, are often required for games that come in smaller boxes. You'll need a table, a dining room table or a card table, and some light. I suggest trying to find at least a few games your group enjoys that can be played in a low-light environment. A game with not a lot of text on cards, for example, in order to be more flexible. If you can play the game by the light of a few candles, that's ideal. Will board games help you find water, stay warm, or fix broken equipment? Almost certainly not, but they may make life a little bit more pleasant, and they might even help you meet people to survive with. Board Games Geek is an excellent place to go if you're trying to find a good board game. The site has pages for just about every board and card game out there. There are reviews, session reports, etc., and a tremendous amount of links. Most urban areas still have a game store of some sort. These will usually cater to all kinds of games, but they are often sustained by collectible card games. As such, they may have a limited stock of board games. Sadly, CCGSs have few of the benefits of board games for preppers. Also, they can become quite expensive hobby on their own. Okay, board games can too, but CCGs are simply run off of a different business model. Happy gaming. Alright guys, so you know, hopefully you can see why I would read this article. There's a lot of uh, good points here. Um, one, definitely you always need board games to, uh, you know, to maybe possibly pass the time away, especially if the grid is down. Um, I have a, a, a cousin who lives in uh, Monterey, Mexico, who they experienced some big, a big earthquake and, you know, their grid was down for a while and uh, they experienced, uh, you know, some other disasters. And, you know, he, he mentions, he mentioned to me that uh, it was a time where the family just spent a lot of time together. Uh, you know, and they, they didn't have their phones, they didn't have a TV, they didn't have internet, they didn't have any of those kinds of things. So they spent time playing games and it was fun. They, it, was, it was a time that they uh, hadn't experienced like that in a while. And so definitely that's something that uh, you need to consider and you can always put that into, uh, into play. I know my family, family likes playing card games like Phase 10 but uh, definitely board games are, are something that uh, are definitely something that you know we, we like to play. But then the other thing as well is uh, it, it brings that uh, group cohesion together, like he was mentioning, where people are working together. You're spending time. You're getting to know how each other think, uh, how everyone thinks, and how they're able to solve problems. And, and you're getting a little bit of insight there. And then the other thing is bringing people into your group. I mean, you're just inviting someone, right? If you have a group, you have a couple of guys that are, you know, families that are in a group together and the guys get together for a board game night and then you invite someone who you think might be uh, a possible candidate to invite into the group and you want to get to know them a little bit better, you can just invite them and not, you know, everyone kind of knows. It's kind of, I guess, kind of secretive, right? Everyone knows that, you know, what you're doing, but... You're uh, you're really trying to get to know this person, see you know who they are and what they're made of, and and see if there's someone that you know people can get along, and so that's definitely something to consider when you're when you're doing all of this. You know, we're always talking about how can we find other people, and so I think this is a great way to do it. There are a lot of links in this article, uh, especially to the the games that they were mentioning, and then also to uh, Board Game Geek. If you wanted to go find some more information about some board games, 
And definitely, you know, one one of the times of the year that's really great to buy board games in just your regular run-of-the-mill board games like at Walmart or Target or, you know, a place, a general store like that that's going to carry those, uh, have a, has a toy section, is going to be during the Christmas season. They always seem to, you know, games go on sale. And so if you can remember that. But then also, um, you know, going to resale shops, there's it's, you're very... Uh, likely to find board games that you can find. You just got to make sure that all the pieces are there. And so you can find them in garage sales as well. Find them at uh, you know reduced prices there too. All right, so that's uh, at survivalblog.com, board games in Teotihuacan. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go check that out. Our next article comes to us from timgamble.com. Uh, Tim's written an article entitled How to Give Prepper Advice to Your Non-Prepper Family and Friends. And this is one that we're always considering. This is one that we're always battling because we know we have family, we have friends that we care about. We want them to get better prepared. If we start talking about, you know, uh, a lot of the scenarios and a lot of the things of maybe why we're prepping, uh, you know, it can go down a road where uh, they start to see the weirdness there and, and things like that. And you don't ever want that. And so Tim gives some great advice on ways to kind of ease conversations into preparedness. And so this is always this topic right here in advice that you can uh, glean from it. It's always very, very valuable. So let's go ahead and start reading this one again. How to give prepper advice to your non-prepper family and friends. Preppers and survivalists are often unfairly portrayed as paranoid and backwards. We are often labeled as right-wing nut jobs, gun nuts, conspiracy nuts, or just plain nuts. This makes regular folks reluctant to hear our message of self-reliance and common sense preparations for any future emergencies. So how do we get around that unflattering image so that we can reach our family, friends, and neighbors? The following is advice that I give to my non-prepper family and friends. How the advice is given is what I want you to notice. I've intentionally toned down the message so as to not turn off non-preppers to the advice given. There are no acronyms or prepper jargon, no extreme head for the hills and hide advice, no politics, no conspiracy theories, no end of the world doom and gloom, or any of the other stuff that might turn off regular folks to the idea of prepping. Yes, I think folks need to do more than what I present here, but if they at least follow the advice given here, they'll be better off than 95% of the general population. Number one is get your finances in order. This means reducing your expenses and living within your means. A budget or spending plan is an excellent tool for achieving this goal. Setting aside an ample emergency fund is also very important. Also, pay off your credit cards and consumer loan debt. Avoid new debt. Refinance your home into a fixed mortgage. Pay it off if you can. Keep some extra cash in a safe place at home in case the ATMs are temporarily down. And spend a lot less money than you make, even if it means cutting back on your lifestyle. Make sure you have adequate insurance. There is a lot of good information on how to get your finances in order throughout the archives of this blog. Check out my article, Get Back to Basics, for much more on this important topic. Number two is make health a top priority. Being sick doesn't just feel bad, it is expensive. A top priority for you and your family should be improving and maintaining your good health. Stop smoking and abusing drugs or alcohol. Get adequate sleep on a consistent basis. Eat healthy. Eat less sugar, a lot less. 
Be physically active every day, walking, hiking, gardening, yard work, biking, swimming, tennis, yoga, and exercise videos are just a few ideas. Visit your doctor and dentist for regular checkups. And don't take your eyesight for granted. Have regular eye exams. Number three is take care of your mental health and attitude. Surviving difficult times requires having your head screwed on straight and being able to think clearly. You can't do that if you're frozen from fear, having a panic attack, or going through some sort of addiction withdrawal. Take care of your mental issues now before a crisis occurs. Check out my article, Prepper's Guide to Mental Health and Emotional Preparedness, for more on this important topic. I also think getting right with God is a very important part of, of this step. I encourage everyone to pray, read the Bible, and attend the church of your choice. My relationship with God gives me great comfort and peace, helps me remain calm in bad situations, helps me stay focused on my true priorities, and provides the moral foundation for decision-making. All very useful for survival. Not sure about God? Talk to a local minister or priest, or check out the websites The Roman Road and Peace with God. And I would definitely uh, second everything that Tim just wrote there. Number four is take basic precautions. There are a lot of basic common sense precautions everybody should make. Have a good first aid kit at home and one in the car. Take a first aid and CPR course. Have smoke and CO2 detectors in your home. Check the batteries. Have and learn to use a fire extinguisher. Do a home safety inspection. If you know a boy or Girl Scout, they have to learn to do these for various merit badges. Make sure you have at least a week's worth of groceries, water, and other supplies on hand. Two weeks' worth is even better. An entire month's worth is better still. You never know when a snowstorm, hurricane, or other event may make it impossible to go shopping for a few days or even a few weeks. Have a good flashlight and battery-powered radio at home along with extra batteries. Keep your cell phone fully charged at all times. In your car, have a first aid kit, flashlight, and jumper cables. Make sure your spare is in good condition and that all drivers in your family know how to change a tire. Keep your gas tank full. Keep up with basic maintenance such as oil changes, brake jobs, tires in good shape, headlights and tail lights working. In winter, keep a blanket or extra jacket and gloves in your vehicle just in case. Number five is consider security. The first and most important tool for personal security is awareness. Awareness of your surroundings and the potential risk of your situation is essential. However, awareness is about more than just simply paying attention. It also means both knowing what to look for and how to access. Make decisions about your surroundings. See my article, Situational Awareness and the OODA Loop, for a much more in-depth discussion. Also, consider the physical security of your home. How easy would it be for someone to break in? Harden your home by replacing weak external doors with heavy-duty security doors. Consider a home security system. Consider a gun, and if you do, please take the time and effort to learn learn gun safety, how to shoot your gun, and how to maintain your guns. Guard against identity theft and extremely fast-growing crime. Protect your personal and financial records. Don't give away too much information on Facebook and social media. Burn or shred important papers instead of just throwing them out. Talk with your family about ways to stay safe when away from home, including shopping in groups, parking in well-lit, highly visible locations, avoiding dangerous areas of town, letting people know where you are going and when to expect you back, and paying attention to your surroundings. And lastly, build self-reliance. Self-reliance means learning how to do things for yourself. 
car and home repairs, sewing, gardening, home canning, and so forth. Develop your DIY skills. Accumulate a good toolkit. But mostly, it means to develop an attitude of taking care of yourself and your family instead of waiting around for others or the government to take care of you. Remember New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina? Remember all those people standing around in knee-deep water waiting for the government or someone else to help them? That is called learned helplessness. Don't be like them. All right, good article here, definitely. And you can take, you know, if you took one or two of these things every so often and just kind of just dropped it. And really, if you didn't even say, hey, brother or hey, dad or hey, cousin or family, you know, friend or whatever, right? And you weren't specifically talking to them, but if you were talking about yourself, right? So like, yeah, I just got, you know, I just got through buying this first aid kit for my car just in case there was ever an issue. I had this, uh, you know, I had this first aid kit underneath my car. It was so inexpensive. I bought it at whatever, right? Uh, or something along those lines. Uh, you know, talking about that. Or, you know, I did a safety check just recently on my, uh, or had the Boy Scouts come out and do a safety check on my home. Have you ever done one of those? Or, or you know, you can talk about, man, I just replaced the batteries or just got a carbon monoxide detector or, you know, whatever it is that you're talking about, you can talk about it like you're co- it's coming from you. And you're, you're talking about what you have experienced and you're not necessarily telling other people, although you can tell other people as well, right? I mean, that's something that I have shared with other people, like uh, young women who are going out at night, you know, and, and I'm not, I might not be very, very close to, but it's like, hey, you got to be careful out there. There's a lot of craziness. Make sure you park under a well-lit uh, area, you know, and you pay attention to what's you know, going on around you. A lot of the times they're grateful for that. You know, that's kind of advice that a dad would give or, you know, an older adult would would give and and that's concerned for their safety. Right. Um, Always, you know, talking about uh, just car maintenance. And uh, I like the idea of just the health and and not necessarily just because, you know, you want to have a a rock solid body or anything like that. But just the fact that uh, if when you're healthy, it's less expensive because you're not having to deal with all these expensive medical things, right, that, that are going on. So great article, and hopefully you can find one or two things to use to bring up preparedness or self-reliance. And, uh, you, of course, remember, you're not using those words, but you're just talking about these things. You're, you're planting those seeds of preparedness and self-reliance in your friends and your family, people that you care about because you want them to be prepared. You know, the best thing for someone is is when they come to the conclusion on their own. And when they when people come to a conclusion on their own, they own it so much more and because they feel like, hey, I this is you know, this is my my thing. And so they own it so much more and they tend to uh, you know run with it so much uh, so much easier than you just preaching to them all the time. So again, that's over at timgamble.com. Uh, there's you know links here that you might be interested in going to, to check out other articles and uh, you know other links there. All right, guys. Well, that's it for episode 278. Again, I'm so glad you've started your week off with uh, me and the Prepper Website Podcast. I look forward to a, more great episodes and great articles. Hey, if you have not joined the Facebook group, love for you to come on over and uh, be a part of that. And definitely, if you have not joined the email list, when you join the email list, 
you do get enrolled automatically into the free e-course building a more self-reliant life and uh, when you when you get enrolled in that or when you sign up you automatically get enrolled and then you'll start receiving email lessons uh, or lessons through your email and uh, yeah, I put a lot of time and effort into it one of the things uh, in the past when I have subscribed to uh, many email courses the the emails that I received are like one paragraph long right or one or two paragraphs long and there is some I guess you know they'll tell you you don't want to send too much information in an email because people won't necessarily read it but when you sign up and you want to be you you want to get the lessons on building a more self-reliant life I wanted it to be valuable and so put a lot of effort into it so you're getting you're getting some decent uh, decent information and with action steps that you can print off and that you can keep and uh, so uh, definitely you can just go to any of the websites the prepper website uh, prepperwebsite.com the prepperwebsitepodcast.com um, and that matters even on the uh, prepper website Facebook page I think there's a link where you can uh, go link and, and, and sign up for the for the email newsletter but uh, you can do it that way as well and get uh, signed up so I'd love to have you there as well All right, guys, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.